Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Welcome to TV Concierge, the ringer's guide to the vast television landscape. Man, is there a lot to watch. I'm Juliette Littman. Today, I am joined by TV aficionado, aspiring legal mind, Chris Ryan. Chris, we are here to discuss Perry Mason on HBO. Give me the pitch on Perry Mason. Juliet, you will not object to Perry Mason on HBO. <laughs> hey, so this show has been on for about a month now. Uh, it stars Matthew Reese, who a lot of people know from The Americans and from paparazzi photos with Carrie Russell. He is... And ha- hold on. What? Brothers and Sisters is his original. And Brothers and Sisters, yes. Great Um, show. Do not erase Brothers and Sisters. Me and Greg Berlanti will not have it. So when Perry Mason first came on, I talked about this on The Watch, but I felt like it was a show searching for its own identity, that it felt a lot like kind of a weird off-brand true detective with this really traumatized, dark anti-hero Perry Mason, who was a detective and not a lawyer as we are familiar with the titular character to be in the long-running TV series with Raymond Burr. And everybody was kind of like, it just felt like it wanted to be something it wasn't. You know, it wanted to be some kind of nouveau Chinatown L.A. noir, but it also had all this baggage of the Perry Mason intellectual property and that eventually it was going to have to do certain things. I don't know. It felt very uncomfortable with itself. But as the weeks have gone on, and as I have spent more and more time with it, I've come to love this show. I've come to really, really yeah, re- at least really word. enjoy it. You love yeah. it. Well, I don't know what is love anymore. You know what I mean? Like I haven't left my apartment very much in the last couple of weeks. So I guess I love Perry Mason. It's like, it's like, you know, your, your standards change, but really what I'm really excited about is the fact that it's a really good mystery. There's attendance stuff with it. A lot of like, um, social examination of the country at the time. And the obvious echoes it has with our country now that it handles, uh, at varying degrees of satisfaction. But what I'm really here for is this conspiratorial murder mystery that involves um, uh, upstart church in Los Angeles led by Tatiana Maslany and her mother played by Lily Taylor who uh, kind of have like an almost Pentecostal healer vibe and they have gotten involved in the case of the Dodsons and their dead child, Charlie, and have sort of stumped up for the innocence of uh, the mother of the child, Emily Dodson, who's being accused of the murder. And Perry Mason, after this last week's episode, has now become involved in an official capacity as a lawyer. So we have now landed the Perry plane in the lawyer airport and we are like, we are in the courtroom. 
Interesting. So in the original Perry Mason, does he go from one profession to another? No, I think this is his origin story, right? So I mean, I, I cannot claim to be a Perry Mason completist, but the first few episodes of the season are about how he is this kind of PTSD suffering World War One veteran who uh, drinks too much, you know, has left his family or his family has kicked him out. He's a private detective working for John Lithgow's lawyer and is just kind of doing like really seedy work, like fit, like taking pictures of people cheating on their spouses and stuff like that. And then... Is this, by just, this, is this just one extended Perry Mason universe? You say it's an origin story. Is this the same character? Yes. Or I mean, it's a, based a on the character that the TV... Uh, yeah, it's. I think they were novels initially, but these are characters... Oh, I see. Okay. That, this Thank is the you. character. It's Perry and Della are in the show, and it's like Perry's the lawyer, and Della's his, his sort of associate, and, and they're... His and Watson? They're, yeah, his Watson, essentially. But... This show is just really effective at keeping this mystery going. And that is and knowing that it's only eight episodes. The fifth episode just aired. And knowing that, you know, it feels like a contained story. Whereas, like, you know, I think what will happen is if this show winds up keeping keeping on, it'll probably just do a new case every season. Sure. But I don't know. You know, it's just got it, got, it has elements of James Elroy. It has elements of uh, the night of kind of in terms of it's like compressed one case story and it's bringing in some like a lot of stuff about race and gender and and religion which is you can take or leave but the the central mystery is really compelling and i'm glad it's on so case of the week is a very familiar format here in america and it's powered some of my favorite legal and medical shows namely Mm -hmm. the good wife which was a really strong case of the week show yeah at its core case of the season is really very british it's case of the series and you look at shows like Broadchurch or even my mom and friend Catherine's favorite Grantchester, and mm-hmm. they really c- commit to like one arc that lasts the season and then they move on. It's a little bit easier British shows because they're shorter, usually like six, ep- six episodes or so. But I think that's a format that I, I would like to see a lot more of here on American streaming television. And I mean, Perry Mason's still going weekly on HBO. Yeah, especially, um, as, especially as, since it's only eight episodes, I believe. And it's so that's a lot less of a commitment than like a 12 episode case. Yeah. And I do think that like procedural shows, like that's the future for them. Because if you don't have to do 22 episodes of a season, and by the way, coming sooner TV concierge, I'm watching Heart of Dixie on Netflix, which was a CW show. And it has 75 episodes over four seasons. And it's like a lot. It's crazy. That's that's the way that that TV writers were asked to conceive of their shows. Like that's absolutely bonkers now that you think about it. I remember when... Explains the format. When the high fidelity writers who had done a lot of work on on network shows came in to talk to me a little bit about working on high fidelity, they were like, doing a season of streaming is so easy compared to having to write 22 episodes of a television show. It's crazy. 10 episodes is, is like light work. And then, like, you think about shows that, like, burned hot and bright from season one, namely The O.C. and 90210, the original, mm-hmm. where they were so popular that, that the writers were asked to extend the season just to, like, pump out more content. It's, like, so crazy. But then you think about a show like Perry Mason, where you weren't sure about it, but there's one arc throughout the season. There aren't that many episodes. And, like, so I can jump in right now, which I think I'm going to based on your recommendation. And But it's also, like just like low lift. Like you don't have to really worry like, Oh God, like, do I care enough about this particular lawyer to see them do legal work case week in week out for their case of the week? Well, they maybe in in retrospect, smartly waited till the middle of the season to introduce him as a lawyer. And in fact, last night, my wife Phoebe and I were watching this 
and we had this sinking feeling that we were going to have to watch him go to law school. Turns out in the 1930s, you just had to apprentice with someone. That's like and Kim you- Kardashian right now. <laughs> yeah, She's just right. apprenticing. Right. Apparently, apparently, California is one of the only states where that's allowed. Well, um, Perry Mason maxed that out. He really, you know, he was <laughs> he was just hanging out with John Lithgow, and then he took the bar and, and is now a lawyer. Um, let's talk about both of those actors, Matthew Reese first. Okay. What Matthew Reese are we getting? Are we getting like brooding, sad Philip from the Americans? Are we getting sort of like fun brother from Brothers and Sisters? Are we getting the wine guy from his show with Matthew Good, where they traveled all over Europe drinking wine? Like, which Matthew Reese is this? It's an Aaron Sorkin character with Nick Pizzolatto's clothes. <laughs> so it's like three day stubble, hangover constantly, cursing you know, dealing with the just absolute like dregs of humanity. But underneath all of that is this like essentially good person and incredible orator and uh, somebody who's going to fight for justice, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. Interesting. This also, as you describe this for some reason, I don't know why I do this frequently on this podcast. I like, I match the show with, I think their appropriate network. And as we discuss it, I'm kind of just like, why isn't Perry Mason on Amazon? This sounds like an Amazon show to me. The Amazon version of this would probably be closer to Bosch. And I bet they would have just cut. He would have already been a lawyer. And, you know, Amazon does do some period stuff. But I think it's also worth noting that the HBO uh, money printer is definitely in effect here where Mm. the 1930s Los Angeles. And and to be fair, there's still lots of parts of Los Angeles that remain unchanged from this era because it's had... That's so much of like the sort of um, yeah, like the Sunset Gower lots. Yeah, and the, changed. so the visual kind of identity of this city in a lot of ways is wrapped up in that. So there's lots of really cool LA, oh, cool. some somewhat spe- special effects sometimes, but they they shoot. It seems like they shot in and around LA for a lot of this stuff uh, and some Central Valley stuff. So it's that part is really cool, and it, it kind of is like the LA version of Boardwalk Empire in, in that in that cool. Way. Um, John Lithgow. I mean, talk about a man with a long and varied career. What's the defining John Lithgow performance to you? Huh. That's a great question. I, I don't know. Like, I mean, he's just been such a constant presence, right? Yeah. He's almost like the Vince Carter of, of acting. I just feel like Vince Carter like transcends team. It's just sort of like he is, you know, he is obviously the Raptors really cared about him, but I think to the later people who just follow our players. He's also like had Vince such Carter. like a Ted Dansonian second life in streaming where I feel like he's been on tons of stuff recently. Yeah. So I, you know, I think this is just it, a lot of it is about your age. To me, he'll always be the third rock guy, but he took a real turn on Dexter in the absolute best season of Dexter. He was amazing. He was scary. He was great. And then he's amazing as Winston Churchill in the crown. Fantastic. And, in, in and the crown. yeah, but, but he has so many credits. He's got so many nominations. He was very good in bombshell last year. I mean, he's been in so many things. I'm curious, like which John Lithgow are we getting in this show? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely that sort of, it's this sort of more, this second phase of his career and not like the third rock from the sun. Like, I'm not that there was anything wrong with that, but I feel like he has really just started to like, pick very, very interesting roles and get to do really interesting stuff over the last like five to 10 years. Uh, another shout out, Juliet Core is Juliet Rylance, uh, mm. who plays Della and she's fantastic. Oh my uh, God. Shay Wiggum's also in the show. So yeah, there's a lot of really good... T- and ship me, I have to, ship say, me ta- to Australia where her character is from the Nick. I'm ready to go. Oh <laughs> and my I have God. to say, Tatiana Mislani is giving like an absolutely... That's um, Chris Ryan Core. 10 out of 10 performance right now. So yeah, Can't I highly recommend you like the her. show. 
I'm going to, I'm going to watch it. I'm also going to recommend it to my mother. Tell that she's going to love it. Um, HBO having a moment. I would say yeah. good, good stuff happening on HBO and HBO max. Great service. Yes, not re- absolutely. Not really related as it's come to light, but you can get all these things on HBO max. So why not? <laughs> why not? <laughs> um, yeah. So that's my recommendation. I'm going to definitely check it out. Thanks so much, Chris. And thanks to you for listening. More TV concierge to come later in the week. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.